Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we are breaking down every single afternoon and one morning game for you Londoners out there from an exciting, you know, it was football, it's always exciting, piece of week six action. And by we, I mean myself, Ian Hardison. Joined by always senior PFF analyst, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, how was your week six? Dude, it's good. Um, I mean, more football. Cowboys overtime win against the Patriots. Like, don't get that all the time. So, uh, and how about that CeeDee Lamb breakout? It was funny. Everybody's tweeting about CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb, he's not part of the offense anymore. Boom, 150 yards or whatever it was, two touchdowns. Life comes at you fast. No, man. I actually, you know, they might have messed up too, but I, on all of Twitter, had the single worst, this didn't age well tweet. When the Cowboys got that... uh, Field goal. No, no, no. The pick six from Diggs at the end, and the ball goes back to Mac Jones. I decided to be all smart assy, and I tweet a lot of times still for Mac Jones to hand off down the field. First play, he goes freaking 70 <laughs> yards to Kendrick Bourne. Like, I, I literally couldn't even get the tweet off before I was looking at like an idiot. So knock yourself out. Old takes exposed. Great throw, Mac Jones. But, yes, that is always the uh, fun part of trying to live tweet along with some of these. One note before we get started, A.J. Brown downgraded to questionable with an illness ahead of Monday night. This is problematic. Dwayne, you know, there's not going to be a lot of guys out there on the waiver wire for anyone that's stuck in this terrible position, but maybe they're listening to this Monday and they need to try to make a uh, quick addition. You know, thinking through it in my head at this moment, we got Nick Westbrook. We don't know his whole last name. We got Josh Reynolds. We got maybe Gabriel Davis on the other side of things. You know, I think it's just going to be a prayer dart regardless of who you take. Do you have any like major thoughts on this situation? No, no. I mean, here's the thing. It's an illness. So... I'm hoping he's fine. You know what I mean? I'm hoping he's fine because basically if he if he had to miss practice or couldn't practice or was limited or whatever it was today, he kind of has to be listed as questionable once he misses right. practice time. So it could be more of a technicality, but I, I, I don't have any particular thoughts. Um, I guess it would be Westbrook. I mean, you could throw a flyer on Rodgers. I can't tell you which one is going to do anything. Um, you know, it's not been consistent. Very tough to tell. It's not COVID, seemingly, because he would be on the COVID list if it was. So that's good. I do think he plays just a tough situation. You know, I did tell people before, hey, you know, guys like OBJ, guys like Alex Collins, people that weren't the most egregious of plays, I understand playing them over AJB. Just a tough situation to be in all around. But let's go ahead and get into the recaps here. Jaguars took down the Dolphins. And, you know, an entertaining enough uh, 9.30 a.m. start London game. Jacksonville covered us two and a half point under dogs the under hit at 47 and a half i was only able to watch the first half of this one had to go do our pff nfl show for the majority of the second half so i wasn't able to count any sheeshes in this one i did just want to note though zero touches for carlos hyde you absolutely love to see that for you james rb one son truthers out there and we also saw marvin jones seven catches 100 yards and a score and to a lesser extent lavisca chanel six catches 54 yards at least get back in the good graces of this offense both guys had 10 targets this was was a week after we saw Jamal Agnew and Tavon Austin just really dominating the target share. So that was good to see from a Jacksonville side of things. On the Miami side of the ball, there were two great players, and one of them we were thrilled about, Dwayne. Jalen Waddle, 10 catches, 70 yards, and two touchdowns. Still only along the 14. Like, the fact that we have seen him still put together these highish end fantasy weeks despite not breaking any big plays yet. Actually, you know, we would prefer to see the big plays, obviously, but it is good to see that he still has this sort of 
floor, particularly with Tua under center. And also Mike Dusicki caught eight of nine targets for 115 scoreless yards. Hey, if you could have told me before the season, Will Fuller and Devontae Parker aren't going to be playing this year, so Jasicki is going to be the number two receiver, I probably would have had a lot more exposure to him. That is the case at the moment. So, yes, we can certainly get back to treating Jasicki as a top 10 fantasy football tight end. Of course, the Miami backfield continued to just look absolutely muddled as hell, showing no rhyme or reason. And this one, it did kind of seem like they wanted to continue to give Gaskin the best chance early. Ultimately, only nine yards on his five carries and on his six targets, he caught just two of them for five yards. So I think a mix of ineffectiveness and just randomness because they continue to rotate Malcolm Brown, Salvin Ahmed, and Miles Gaskin each and every week. So Lawrence, Tua, each one over 300 yards. Each didn't look all that impressive while doing so. I think Tua especially just had an absolutely brutal pick from what I've been hearing, you know, in the PFF streets. So, Dwayne, what stuck out to you in this one from a usage perspective? And I'm assuming it has to be James Robinson finally taking over a little bit. Let's go. Yeah, real quick on Gaskin. He had a fumble early in the game. Okay, so he, he was in there early, but who knows? Like, it's the same thing we've seen. It's just a complete rotation. We talked about it last week. You know, people are going to get excited, want to have him in their lineups, and then it's going to disappoint. You know, it's, it's basically a three-way split. Yeah, as far as Robinson goes, yeah. I mean, absolutely. 95% of the rushing attempts, 86% of the snaps. He was out there He was out there um, during a passing play in a route, 65%. Um, of the pass plays so he also had 100% of the two-minute offense so 42% of the long down and distance so that's the only spot where he's getting spelled at all and that went to Carlos Hyde you know Urban Meyer's got to do something for his his old Ohio State Buckeye so <laughs> if, if that's all we got to deal with with Carlos Hyde we can handle that that's not that big of a thing um, he still had 11% of the targets targeted on 13% of the routes run LaVisca Chenault though a season a season high man 85% routes run um, on the drop on the on the passing plays uh, out there 100 percent of the time on long down and distance we hadn't seen that in the past he was out there 100 percent of the time in the two minute offense it seems like that would be pretty normal right you would want to have one of your best players mm-hmm. out there at all those times um, not so much with Irvin Meyer but we did get to see that this past week so I think that's a positive thing 87 um, percent as far as the routes for Marvin Jones so I mean they were right there um, together 27 percent target share for each player um, Marvin Jones, 25% targets per route run, 26% targets per route run for LaVisca Chenault. So very exciting day for Chenault. This is his best utilization that we have seen, Ian, so we'll hope that it carries over. Love to see that. And yeah, James Robinson, last year in 14 games, 250 total PPR fantasy points. This year on pace in 14 games, 244. So, you know, I've heard people say like, oh, this like this year's James Robinson is just also James Robinson. It's starting to look that way from a fantasy points perspective. Now, this year's James Robinson cost you a top four, top five round pick to get. Last year's was gotten off the waiver wire, but semantics, I don't want to be that dick to take the fun out of fantasy. So you do you, James Robinson truthers. It's working out. And, you know, we just want everyone to ball out, Dwayne. It's, there's no hate here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. PFF Lily stat, as always. This is just purely a cool stat named after my wiener dog. Nothing too much to look into. And it is in regards to Jalen Waddle's average target theft because we have seen him throughout most of his rookie year be used in this Tavon Austin, Lynn Bowden type role just all around the line of scrimmage, except when Tua has been under center. So in week one, Jalen Waddle's average target theft was 10.2 yards. Then Tua leaves. The next four weeks, 0.7 yard average target theft. 2.8, 4.3, 7.1. Tua comes back. 
second highest of the year at 9.8 yards. So, you know, we also see a trend moving up from weeks two through six. So I'm not saying Tua is the sole reason here. Either way, the two most relevant sample sizes we have with Waddle consist of him getting a lot of targets and getting more fantasy-friendly downfield looks as well. So hopefully you didn't freak out on Jalen Waddle. I was starting to get to that point last week, and Dwayne told me, relax, we're fine getting Tua back. He's still a little target leader in the offense, and we are looking good moving forward there. Next up, we had the Packers take down the Bears 24-14. Green Bay covered as a 5.5-point favorite. The under cashed at 44. You're going to be hearing a lot of unders hitting uh, on this one today, people. Biggest sheesh in this one was Khalil Herbert had a 15-yard touchdown nullified by a pretty iffy holding penalty. You know, it's funny because I'm in the... This wasn't even one of the games I was able to have my full eyes on, so I'm not always able to get the completely most accurate, you know, breakdown of every play. I'm trying to watch five other games at once. So every now and then I'll send out a shishler on Twitter on how people give some pushback on this Khalil Herbert touchdown. People were pissed that they had that holding call. So I believe Darnell Mooney scored on the same drive, so like I didn't mess up the Bears' like actual chances to win the game. But yeah, that sucks for Herbert, but he still had to help himself a hell of a day. 19 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown down he also chipped in two receptions we just did not see anything from ryan Null or any other running back in this one so that was great to see um some cool notes from the game uh, justin fields rushing usage really took a step forward in this one i mean he did not have more than three carries in any single start uh before this point six carries for 43 yards in this one including a long of 16 so still not seeing maybe the game-breaking rushing ability but as we've talked about all in the offseason like fields is a pass first quarterback which is great for his future nfl career but it's also why someone like trey lance we just you know get a little bit more into in fantasy land because he is someone with true double digit carry upside each and every week um alan robinson oh my gosh Dwayne. again i didn't get a chance to watch this game but from what i was seeing 219 air yards only 53 receiving yards so week high 166 unrealized air yards and remember all these stats Dwayne and i are referencing are still you know and it's the first draft of them all the pff guys are grinding right now so you know take these with a small grain of salt maybe we're off by a little bit but we'll get that rectified in the upcoming days but at least we got the seven targets. We got the air yards. Maybe, just maybe, finally a bounce back is here for Allen Robinson. Pretty sad that we've reached the point that four catches and 53 yards is like a, okay, like, that's not terrible. Still pretty bad for, uh, you know, A-Rob relative to past years. At least the volume is finally starting to look a little bit better. Um, on the other side of the ball, though, and really just overall, uh, the volume has been an issue for everyone in this game. We had Khalil Herbert get his 21 touches, but... You know, Aaron Jones, 13 carries. A.J. Dillon, 11 carries. No Packers player, including Devontae Adams, had more than five targets. Darnell Mooney led the way in Chicago with eight targets. So volume was just really an issue here for just about everyone, and that's why you didn't see anyone truly pop off in this one. So, Dwayne, were the Khalil Herbert, like, utilization numbers as good as they just look from the regular box score? Yeah, they were tremendous. Um, 89% of the snaps, 80% of the routes, 95% of the rushing plays, 100% of the short down and distance, 80% of long down and distance, 92% of the two-minute offense. But I think we kind of expected it, you know, with really just having Nall as being the only other player available. I think once we get Damian Williams back, um, he'll handle some more of that passing down role. But I think Khalil Herbert has played well enough here, Ian, um, to probably be the lead back on the ground. So folks that really drop some fab on Damian Williams, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it, 
I could be wrong about it, but he looked really good, you know, playing as well. I mean, he may be playing well enough to kind of force a little his, his way onto the field, even once David Montgomery is back. That's how good he looked. He got a 79.9. That's the, you know, like you said, none of this is final yet, but that's a really high rush grade. Um, he was and in pass blocking, 73.1 today. So, yeah, he looked really good, 11% target share as well. Yeah, Aaron Jones with 45% of the rushing attempts and 38% went to A.J. Dillon. I'm seeing a little bit still of, like, folks freaking out. And, and honestly, like, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, like, this is three weeks in a row. But it's the same thing over and over again. So five of A.J. Dillon's attempts um, came when the Packers had a 10-point lead or more. Twelve of his snaps came with a 10-point lead or more. So basically, once the Packers get up, in which they've been doing – they just hand the ball to A.J. Dillon. So he's basically closing these games out. Um, so that is going to be a little bit of a problem for Aaron Jones, but that's kind of the role we anticipated Dillon being in. We just need more competitive game scripts. As far as all the passing down role, all that stuff still goes to Aaron Jones. 100% of the long down and distance, Aaron Jones is out there. 100% of the two-minute offense, uh, well, they didn't run two-minute offense, but he's been out there. Um, so it's just an issue where you know they've been getting ahead against these other teams. So, A.J. Dillon, that's also kind of your cue. If you think it's a game where the Packers really are going to lead, then those are the games, and and that can be hard to predict, but those are the games where you're like, okay, I need a spot start out of somebody. Maybe it can be A.J. Dillon for the week. Um, You hit the stuff on the Bears receivers, but, man, just every week now, 29% target share to Allen Robinson, 29% target share to uh, Darnell Mooney. It's really a 1A, 1B. You know, they, they're right there together. You know, Mooney's led some weeks. Robinson's been the leader some weeks. To this week they were tied. They just don't have a quarterback, Ian. Man, um, Justin Fields does not look good. I watched a lot of this game. Um, he's really slow with everything he does. His decisions to throw, his decisions to scramble, um, his decisions on what to do with the run game, you know, at the mesh point, you know, his decision to slide, his decisions to throw the ball away. Everything feels like a beat or a half beat slow. Now he could fix those things, right? A lot of that could just be being a rookie. Um, but right now, man, I am not impressed at all with what we're seeing out of Justin Fields. Knock on wood, hope that it's getting better. Not saying that it won't. It just doesn't look good at the moment. Also took four sacks to your point. Yeah. He's had one of the lo- longest average release times all year. And that was his primary issue at Ohio State. A little bit harder to run around the backfield and just make a bunch of professional athletes miss at this level. Uh, PFF Lois stat, Devontae Adams, five targets. His fewest in a non-injury shortened game since week three, 2019. People, shadow cornerbacks do not really matter, but we got to give a hat tip to Jalen Johnson, who was traveling around with Adams in this one. Also did so against Odo Beckham in week three, and Beckham actually had a pretty decent game then. Again, it's nothing to, like, I would never recommend you sit Devontae Adams in a future matchup against Jalen Johnson or anything. But hey, if the Bears are going to be willing to start doing this with a cornerback that is playing great, might be a good idea to keep that in mind with guys upside in the future. Next game was uh, horrendous. The Rams beat the crap out of the Giants, 38-11. to 11. Rams covered as an eight-point favorite. The under hit again at 51.5. So Daniel Jones, like early on, I think he completed two or three third-down passes that were like actually good, and that almost like swayed my overall memory of this game maybe because I just, at some point, you had to check out from this atrocity that was on your screen. <laughs> it was horrendous. One mistake after another. Three picks for Daniel Jones. I think one of them before the half, Shepard fell down, so we can excuse him there but took four sacks, lost one fumble, got stripped twice. Come on, like how many times does Daniel Jones need to get stripped sacked in the pocket for him to like have a bigger sense of urgency about this? And he has been playing great all year, people. I know he was our second highest graded passer. 
for a good time before he got the concussion uh, last week. And this won't be as bad as he, I'm hoping he gets better. Also losing Kadarius Tony after like what, eight snaps or something like that didn't help matters as well. Unfortunately, re-injured that ankle after it looked like he was on his way to a big day. Like again, limited ability, limited availability for Tony, still caught all three of his targets for 36 yards and was doing all the stuff that we've talked about. He's not just a yak guy. He was on the outside finding soft spots, winning in man coverage, just looking like an absolute studs so fingers crossed that Tony gets back sooner rather than later in his absence we saw Sterling Shepard eat 10 catches 76 yards on a robust 14 targets and blast from the past Dante Pettis 11 targets five catches 48 scoreless yards so if Tony is going to be out for a bit you know it did seem like Darius Slayton was on the verge of coming back here Kenny Galladay is not on IR so he should be back sooner rather than later you would like to think but hey with these other banged up guys and even if they re-enter the lineup Sterling Shepard is once again looking like a lock for double digit targets more weeks than not um, run game Devontae Booker was dominating unfortunately Elijah Penny got the meaningless rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter which kind of soured Booker's overall afternoon but the usage was pretty much what we were predicting 16 touches, you know, wasn't able to find the end zone, unfortunately. But anytime we can get between 15 and 20 touches, people, we're going to take that chance at Fantasyland. On the other side of the ball, Matthew Stafford really didn't look good in the first quarter. Uh, had a pick in there and just, yeah, wasn't looking uh, very good at all. The problem was, or the good thing was, I should say, the last three quarters, he looked fantastic. 22 for 28 overall, 251 yards. Not one, not two, not three, but four touchdowns, two of which went to Cooper Cup. All Cooper Cup does is have absolutely massive blow-up games, I guess. He is a boom or boom receiver at this point. Nine catches, 130 yards, and a pair of scores. Robert Woods and Daryl Henderson also came away with touchdowns. So, Dwayne, let's start on the Rams side of things because Daryl Henderson usage, we've now been calling him an RB1 basically since... You know, ever since Sony Michelle got into the offense, Henderson came back from his injury and he continued to just eat up all the touches. On the surface, I see he again had 23 touches here. Sony did chip in nine, but I'm pretty sure the majority of those were in the second half of the game out of reach. Yes, they were. Um, Sony, if you look at it, um, eight of his snaps um, came in the second half, seven of his rushing attempts came in the second half. Um, actually, six of those came in the fourth quarter. So um, most of that was definitely in just cleanup time. But still, even with that, Daryl Henderson, 82% of the snaps, 85% routes per drop back, 66% of the rushing attempts where Sony had 28%, 86% of the short down and distance, 83% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense, 10% of the targets. You know, you got to hit a receiving touchdown, you know, in the game. It was actually a good catch in the end zone. So Henderson looks great, man. Like he is an RB1. He's playing in an elite offense. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely just wheels up. We just have to hope that he doesn't get hurt. Um, you know, I don't really need to say anything I don't think about Cooper Cup, but like, <laughs> good God, 40% target share, <laughs> 50% of the air yards, yards per route run, 4.19. Like, I mean, 85.1 receiving grade on the day. Cooper Cup went bananas today. Tyler Higby had a great matchup. Um, was out there 100% of the snaps, 88% of the routes. It's just tough when you got these other mouths to feed. But he, he managed 17% target share, which is still okay. So, I mean, he's, I, I think he's keeping himself in that low-end tight end one, high-end you know, tight end two you know, range. Like the, sure. the underlying utilization that he has actually is of a low-end tight end one. It's actually closer to like a mid-range tight end one. It's just you have these other two to three players that they like to target more than they do Tyler Higby, at least so far. But still – 
Higby could still have some value, you know, down the stretch. We'll have to wait and see. Sterling Shepard got back to work and looked really good. You mentioned that um, out there, 91% of the snaps, 95% of the routes uh, per pass play um, out there um, to get 30% of the target share, 35% of the air yards. So he's looking really good. And yeah, man, Tony, dude, 60% targets per route run. He only had 6% target share, but for the few routes he ran in, 60% of the time he was targeted. Um, and I went back like and just watched those plays. Like, dude, it, he's really special. He's really special. I hope he can keep his head on straight. He can get healthy. Hopefully this isn't anything any more than just, you know, a tweak of that injury. And maybe they give him another week. He gets healthy and he can be, I think he could be really valuable down the stretch. Um, Booker, yes. It was really just at the end of the game. It was kind of like it was over. Gave Elijah Penny, you know, that that look. But everything else, Booker was pretty much dominating everything. Well, or Booker's overall snaps. 72% of the snaps, 71% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense, 70% of the long down distance. That's an every down back. Yeah. That's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. That's the way the cookie uh, crumbles. As Bruce Almighty uh, might say back in the (laughs) day. So, yeah, I mean, again, we're trying to predict the volume. Hopefully we can get it with some good production sometimes too. But we aren't, Dwayne and I aren't miracle uh, workers as much as we try to be uh, with this. So as long as we can get as close as we can uh, to the volume, we'll consider that a minor victory. We can't read minds, Ian, but what can we read? (laughs) We can read the data, Dwayne. (laughs) That's what we can do. That's the same. One other real small note, Jake Funk suffered a hamstring injury aka white christian mccaffrey so um, with that if you still have him deep on that bench you probably don't need him at this point pff lily stat has to go to cooper cup however he is through six games this year 46 catches 653 yards seven scores what's that for a 17 game pace 130 catches 1850 yards and 20 touchdowns like the most amazing thing about this to me Dwayne, is like so much of it looks easy for cup week after week after week he has been one of the best like yak guys in the league i mean i remember a couple years ago this play he had against the saints like it was one of the best plays of the entire football season so like he's an incredible player and just when you pair that with him getting all the schemed up goodness from McVay and having Stafford to get him the ball, we are witnessing what's been really the best fantasy season of any wide receiver in 2021. Bengals took down the Lions 34 to 11. Yeah, a lot of blowouts in this uh, 1 p.m. slate since he covered as three and a half point favorites. The under cashed at 48 points. Um, only sheesh from this one was TJ Hawkinson, who still had a good game. Eight catches, 74 yards on 11 targets. One of those targets, though, probably could have been good for a near 40 yard touchdown. Got wide open on a wheel. At a minimum, this should have been a chunk gain to put him over 100 yards. Unfortunately, Goff sailed it, and we just got a sheesh out of it. So, uh, cool notes from this one. Chris Evans, man. Now, he had four carries. He only had, I guess he had three targets. But, again, they use him as a pure wide receiver. And it's so rare to see this from running backs. Like Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones and Naeem Hines sometimes. Those are kind of like the big three in terms of yards per out run when lined up in the slot or out wide over the past few years. Evans is going to have his name up there soon, though, as soon as he gets enough usage to qualify. I mean, you just can't put a linebacker on him out wide because he can get past them and he can track the ball like a receiver once he's downfield so Burrow immediately looked his way found him for the score but it's okay 
everyone. Chris Evans got his, and so did Joe Mixon as a receiver. Six targets himself, caught five and then 59 yards, and a score on the touchdown, man, 40 yards. And Jamar Chase was out there inspiring myself and like 100 other 100,000 other fantasy analysts to make a joke about Panay Sewell being jealous of that block. So great job by Chase downfield blocking and great job just continuing to be a freaking stud. Only saw six targets in this one, caught four of them, 497 yards, including another 53-yard just chunk play down the middle. Again, like it's just incredible. Chase is doing everything he's doing this year. He is not just a great top rookie. He is a true top receiver, period, already as a rookie. Um, anything else? Oh, yeah, one other small thing. Guess who scored a touchdown, Dwayne? Auden freaking Tate, seven yards to the house. Haters might point out it was because uh, normal number four receiver Mike, Mike Thomas was injured. I don't care. Auden Tate scored a touchdown and so did another one of my favorite guys, so I am very hyped about that. Um, CJ Uzoma also scored a touchdown. Who really cares uh, there? DeAndre Swift got a touchdown. And yeah, Dwayne, Auden Tate scored. Great day for me. Yeah, I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe you buried the lead like that. Like that, I, I thought that was going to be like. I, I was like, I, once you didn't say it at first, I was like, well, sh- okay. He I should have opened the podcast be, with it. I, don't know I figured doing. you were saving something for PFF Lily, but now, now you have me curious. But um, yeah, a couple quick notes on this game. This is the second week in a row that we've had T Higgins back. It's also been the second week in a row where Tyler Boyd has been a little more the player left out. I'm not saying that's going to last forever. Tyler Boyd's a good player. Defenses are going to adapt. But it does definitely seem like T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are the two players that really Joe Burrow is continuing to lock in on. T. Higgins actually led the team in targets with 26% versus 19% for Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase just continues to do his thing, though. 2.55 yards per route run on the game. And just doesn't seem very guardable down the field, Ian. Like, I don't know how else to say it. I know this was the the Lions, but every time I see a ball sell off of Joe Burrow's fingertips and it's headed in the direction of number one, he seems to figure out how to create separation and come down with the ball, which is, you know, it's the normal thing. As far as Chris Evans goes, man, like in Dynasty, like, I'm very interested in Chris Evans. Like, he looks really good because, like you said, he's got the receiving part of his game down, and we've just seen that be something that can unlock huge upside for backs. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, look, he's getting all the work. We're, I'm happy with where he's at, you know, for being for coming back, you know, having a limited practice, a DNP, and, and then another limited practice. He had 63% of the snaps, 58% of the rushing attempts. Probably could have handled a little bit more, but they didn't even really need him to. Um, he was out there for 67% of the short down and distance, still took 100% of the two-minute offense. Um, you know, he looked okay in the passing game today. But Evans looks He's got juice, man. He's got something that Joe Mixon doesn't have. And it really makes you, when you see it in the same game, you're like, whoa, like is Mixon just, you know, still hurt? Is he, you know, Mixon still had some good plays. So I don't want to make it sound terrible. But Evans is a player I'm definitely monitoring in Dynasty. Or if you're in a super deep season-long type format, Evans is the player that I definitely want to have on my roster. Travion Williams did get involved in this one as well with Samaje P. Ryan out due to COVID-19. He handled 19% of the rushing attempts versus 13% for Chris Evans. On the Lions side, TJ Hawkinson. I know I had a lot of people come to me, oh my gosh, panic mode, panic mode, do I get rid of TJ Hawkinson? Look, the equation for tight ends is really simple. If you're over 80% of the routes, and if your targets per route run is in the 20% range, like typically really good things are going to happen. Today, Noah Fant, we'll talk about later, went off. What'd he do? He hit that equation. TJ Hawkinson hit that equation. He went off. I mean, about the only player that hit that equation that didn't go off today was Darren Waller. So it's just, it's 
And it doesn't happen every week, but when you see players consistently hitting that, they're going to be in the top six, seven, eight tight ends for the year. TJ Hawkinson's going to be there. Um, 28% of the targets today, 30% targets per route run. Like Ian said, man, I was watching that game when that happened, and it was almost kind of like a top gun, like where who'd go. Like he's like looking like, where's, you know, like, you know, where is the guy? Like, is he on my right side, my left side? And, you know, the ball just kind of came in at a weird angle. It's like, and Hawkinson knew it had just flown by him. Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, continues um, to really be the second target on the team. 21% of the targets today, he was out there for 80% of the routes. So another guy, if you are in a deeper format, you know he could be worth having on your rosters. And Jamal Williams. These are the games you have to worry about with Jamal Williams. When when the Lions, you know, the Lions have done a good job of keeping these things close to the half, right? And that keeps Jamal Williams in the in the conversation. And then it's DeAndre Swift taking over in the second half. Today, there was just no shot for Jamal Williams. Like, this game was pretty much over by halftime, and Jamal Williams was really just out of the game script. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, what was going on with that, because it does seem, you know, when you see Swift have a 13-4 to rush attempt lead, you do start to wonder these things, Dwayne. But certainly a little bit more game script than anything about Swift truly taking over this backfield. It's the two-minute yeah, yeah, two yeah. offense and the long down and distance. So if you have a bad offense, they're going to be in long down and distance a lot. Well, DeAndre Swift gets a lot of that. If you're in a bad offense, you're going to trail a lot, and you're going to need your two-minute offense. I haven't looked at it in the last two weeks. My guess is the Lions are running more two-minute offensive plays than any team in the league. And so DeAndre Swift gets 93% of those, and that's just that's a real drain on Jamal Williams' fantasy value. Tough to live with that. Well, people, if you remember all the way back in the offseason, touting Joe Mixon was actually, you know, an experience. You had a lot of people saying he get injured. Why are you doing this? We know what we have. He has one big game. And what do we always come back with? Volume. We have a three-down running back here. That's why you need to draft him in the second round of your fantasy draft through six weeks pre-Sunday Night Football. Only Derrick Henry has more total touches than Joe Mixon. Maybe Najee Harris worms his way into that by the time Sunday night's over. Either way, it was a play on volume, and the volume has come, ladies and mostly. Gentlemen, Colts took down the Texans 31-3. Indy covered as an 11.5-point favorite under a hit at 45. Wasn't able to get full eyes on this one, so apologies if I missed any main sheeshes, but did notice some quality things, mostly from the Colts. Carson Wentz, two claps, only one interception all year, and it was on that kind of weird shovel pass play against the Rams where, like, Doyle kind of got tackled anyway, and should he have pitched it? Probably not, but, hey, that's it was pretty fluky, and that's the only time he's been picked off all year. So, no, he's not quite back at world beater MVP level, but the fact that he has become not the most turnover-worthy play-prone quarterback in the league should be seen as nothing other than a massive positive, and he's been doing it while banged up. And he's been doing it behind a banged-up Colts offensive line. So, you know, again, we don't hate anyone out here. But when players are so bad, it's just hard to try to find good things to say about them. So Wentz was horrendous in 2020. That's why most people didn't have a good thing to say about him. Now he's playing better in 2021. So I hope that people will join me in saying good things about Carson Wentz. Because in addition to just not having turnovers, my goodness, man, 52-yard bomb to T.Y. Hilton, 51-yard bomb to Paris Campbell, just putting that ball downfield on a dime. So it was against the Texans, I know. But if Carson Wentz can just start splitting in some big play potential here and there without having turnovers and while giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor as many times as possible, that's how the Colts could actually make some ruckus in this still pretty wide open AFC South. So 
Jonathan Taylor was the clear star of the show. Why did he only have 14 carries in a game they won by 28? I don't know, but he at least converted them into 145 yards and a pair of scores. Had an awesome 83-yard score, not 83-yard score, 83-yard run. Ended up scoring on the drive where it looked like he might go all the way, but it truly is just scary how someone as big as Taylor can be that elusive and can also have that long speed. Um, I mentioned the Paris Campbell, 51-yard touchdown. I was getting hyped, man, because with Paris, you know, he's a he's a Buckeye, so I have, you know, a certain certain allegiance to him more than other players, but truly, taking off my Buckeye hat for a second, he has always been electric with the ball in his hands in short areas, but like his big knock coming out of Ohio State was, I think he only had like one career touchdown on a pass thrown more than 20 yards downfield, so we haven't seen him as a downfield threat. I got excited when I saw him catch that deep ball. Unfortunately, just can't shake the injury bug. Had to leave this one with a foot injury, so hopefully Paris gets back soon. Unfortunately, T.Y. Hilton, who once again roasts the Texans, death taxes, T.Y. Hilton going off against the Texans. Remember, people, he wore a clown mask to a playoff game against the Texans <laughs> and proceeded to torch them there. He had 80, 80 yards on four targets in his first game back. Unfortunately, suffered a quad injury, so we'll need to check that out. Um, that was about it from the Colts. Unfortunately, Michael Pittman, only three targets, and that's the risk we run sometimes. With that said, his main competition, Hilton and Campbell, are hurt, so I wouldn't be afraid to go back to Pittman as an upside three, upside wide receiver three in week seven and probably beyond. On the Houston side of things, uh, you know, got to get Mark Ingram 18 carries whenever you're losing by 28 points. Why the hell not? Uh, the only fantasy relevant guy continues to be Brandon Cooks. 13 targets, caught nine of them for 89 yards. So again, man, like that was a big takeaway from last week with Davis Mills. Like never did we dream that Mills was going to be this consistent fantasy quarterback or even that we get more than one consistently fantasy relevant receiver in Houston as long as Mills can exist in the two to three seconds between getting the snap and getting the ball to Brandon Cooks five to ten times per game we will be happy with that so yeah there's a low floor here they will continue to be but Cooks can continue to be pretty close to Michael Pittman treated as an upside wide receiver three here moving forward Dwayne, let's break some hearts, man. Why does Marlon Mack continue to be so damn involved? Just, you know, I guess you can't answer why, but let's let everyone know how involved he has been. Yeah, I don't get it, man. Um, Jonathan Taylor, 12 of his 14 rushing attempts came in the second half. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, what the hell? It's like the equation is not this hard, Frank Reich. You're making shit so hard oh. on yourself. I do not get it. Like some of these coaches, look, and I know, look, we're, we're just too – fantasy analyst Ian and I know there's things yeah. coaches know that we'll never know but I, I don't need to know a lot to know that Jonathan Taylor should be getting more touches in, in, a, in an offense so uh, but yeah Matt continues to be a hindrance uh, 19% of the snaps 23% of the snaps to Naheem Hines 65% to Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor had 56% of the rushing attempts versus 16% for Hines and 20% you got to give a fifth you got to give a fifth to Marlon Mack I mean, it's got to, it's, you have to, like, it's a rule. It's in the Frank Reich, you know, rule book. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where he keeps it. So I don't know how to destroy it, but maybe somebody from our audience can figure that out and handle it for all of us. We wish no harm for Frank Reich, only the rule book that says that Marlon Mack needs a fifth of the touches. So do not do anything else to Frank Reich, only the rule book. Okay. So, um, the nice thing with Taylor, um, he did take 100% of the short down and distance in this one. We had seen them actually giving some of those away for some reason. He did take half of the long down and distance. Uh, but it's just mainly just taking too long to get him involved in the ball game is it. And there's nothing really on the Texans side. You hit the only thing. Brandon Cooks, 31% of the targets, 57% of the air yards targeted on 30% of his routes. 
we got any programmers or coders listening, there's a market here, people, to make some shitty, like, online fantasy football video game where you just have, like, small tasks and it's like, infiltrate Frank Reich's house and destroy his playbook so he'll stop giving Marlon Mack touches. You know, find a way into the Bengals, like, you know, sneak into T. Higgins' house and turn his alarm off so Auden Tate gets to play finally this week. Possibilities out there, people. Just saying, don't sleep on it. PFF Lily stat is for Jonathan Taylor. Remember, it this was annoying last year. It wasn't Marlon Mack, but it was Jordan Wilkins. So we really haven't seen him even have this feature of a role until, uh, you know, a little bit into last season. But in his last overall 16 games, 251 carries, 1,352 yards, 13 rushing scores, another 37 catches, 353 yards, and a pair of scores receiving. So basically, people, we had a 1,600-yard back with 15 touchdowns in his last 16 games, even though we don't have ideal usage just yet. So if we can ever get that Derrick Henry workload for Jonathan Taylor, the ceiling is truly the moon. Dwayne, when we were previewing games, I was like, hey, you know, I'm not this great gambler. I'm not going to pretend to be, but there's a line that I really like. I love the Chargers taking down the Ravens. Oh, my goodness, that did not come close to happening. Ravens 34, Chargers 6, Ian's bank account minus uh, too much money. Baltimore covered <laughs> as three-point favorites. The under hit at 50 and a half. Couple sheeshes here. Marquise Brown dropped his third, if you want to be a hater, his fourth touchdown of the year. This one was 21 yards. It was out there on the fan fingertips but if it hits both your hands you should be coming down with that not here to pick on Hollywood by any means I think he has overcome that sort of criticism he can have a down week that was the only target that he didn't come up with but also had Mark Andrews and five catches 68 yards and a touchdown he was good on the target, I don't know. The announcer was saying, like, there's nobody on his side of the field, even though the safety was coming over the top. At a minimum, it should have been another 20 or 25-yard catch, but uh, Lamar sailed it. In best case, Mark Andrews is known for his yak, and he takes it for a touchdown. And he got taken down at the one-yard line. So either way, Mark Andrews, who Dwayne has been telling you guys to buy low on, you know, not – well before last week. We're not going to try to pretend like it was after that or anything. But Mark Andrews keeps on keeping on is all I'm trying to say here. Also saw the rookie debut of Rashad Bateman. And, hey, man, we'll see what happens here. We were kind of skeptical that he would step in and immediately be this featured guy. But you look at the target totals, Mark Andrews 6, Rashad Bateman 6, Marquise Brown 5. So there was no Sammy Watkins in this game. We need to see what it looks like when he comes back. It wouldn't be shocking if Bateman does split time with Sammy Watkins to an extent. Uh, for right now, though, if Watkins remains sidelined, we can be a little bit more optimistic uh, with Bateman kind of getting into that probably wide receiver 4 territory. Most tilting experience of this whole game, though, was... Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Le'Veon Bell all scoring short touchdowns. None of them had fewer than eight carries. None of them had more than nine carries. Absolute nightmare three-back committee in an offense that, of course, still features Lamar Jackson getting eight carries and 51 yards for himself. On the Chargers side of things, probably better off just to more or less forget this one. Justin Herbert had a stinker. They continued to go for fourth downs very aggressively this week they were not able to get them because of that Baltimore built enough of a lead that they cut this freaking game off in the third quarter I had to watch the end of freaking Rams Giants and Lions Bengals but for some reason they deemed Ravens Chargers not good enough to go on so 
Sorry if I missed anything in the fourth. I physically wasn't able to watch it. I would note that Mike Williams seemed to hurt his back or maybe his knee again in the second quarter. So he missed some time in the first half because of that. And then it looked like once they got down so much, they pretty much just pulled him out of the game. So week seven bye could not come soon enough for Mike and the Chargers. I think it'll be a great chance to get him 100% for the second half of the year where we can resume treating him as an upside wide receiver too. But yeah, you know, Eckler, it's everyone disappointed here because they scored six freaking points so credit to Jared Kirk for the touchdown I think he dropped two other passes throughout this one also Keenan Allen caught all five of his targets for 50 yards so Dwayne like that's I'm just going to kind of forget this game for the Chargers workload wise because in the future we know what this offense is it goes through Mike Williams Keenan Allen Austin Eckler nothing about this performance makes me think that's going to change yeah, there's really nothing to hit on here with the Chargers. It's their normal. They just had a bad game. Um, you did see a little bit more work for Josh Palmer, you know, with Mike Williams out. So he looks like he would be the player that would see a spike. Jalen Guyton had already been out there. We knew K.J. Hill was a possibility as well. Really, all of it went to Palmer. So for some reason, Mike Williams were out. Josh Palmer would really be the next player in. Obviously, that's not going to matter to you unless you're in a really super deep format type league or if you're looking for a free square in DFS come week eight. Um, but hopefully, Mike Williams will be back. We knew this was a risk. Um, he was only out there for 38% of the routes um, per pass play, um, and it was pretty much over by halftime. So with the Ravens, I'll hit on Bateman in a second. What was interesting, you know, they led by 10 points or more 70% um, of the game. So they ran 21 personnel on 41% of their plays. So, yeah, so like Mark Andrews only played 54% of the snaps because he's not a run-blocking tight end. He's literally only out there, you know, when they're in 11. Or he'll be out there in 12. He's pretty much only out there if they're throwing the ball. He was still out there for 73% of the routes. You know, probably would have been out there more had the game been closer. Uh, But his targets per route run at 25%. He had 24% of the targets. Rashad Bateman. Tied him 24% of the targets. He was targeted on 27% of his routes, which is really, really nice. He was also out there in 89% of the long down and distance, which is something you like to see because that's a very, you have to throw the ball in that situation. So to know that he's already on page enough that they're going to have him out there um, because Devin Duvernay has been playing pretty well, you know, also. Um, and so, and you got Miles Boykin who is trying to work his way back and he was not part of the equation at all. So I do think Rashad Bateman has a shot to really take this role away from Sammy Watkins. I put him in the wide receiver four with upside range now. That's the way you need to trade him. I'm not saying you put him in your lineup, but that's when I look rest of season, meaning they may not happen next week, but over the next couple of weeks, obviously next week they have a bye. Well, no, they don't have a bye. The Ravens don't. The Chargers do. But over the next couple of weeks, um, we really could see Bateman get to a spot where in the games where they're competitive – like this game is not the best example because they basically ran the ball just as much as they passed the ball because they led by so much. But the other positive is that it was still 50-50. Used to in a game like this, the Ravens would have ran the ball 65% and only passed the ball 35%. So it was kind of cool to see you're like, oh, well, 50-50, that's not that much. In a game where you lead uh, by 10 points or more, 70% of the plays, that's actually still pretty good when you look at the Ravens' history. So, um, yeah, exciting about Rashad Bateman. Um, Marquise Brown's going to be fine. Had a lot of people hit me up. Look, 88% of the routes, 20% of the targets. He's still working down the field. Like, he had the chance for a touchdown, like Ian said. Um, so, I, I think Marquise Brown is a top 24 receiver, period, the rest of the year. And he's going to have plenty of top 12 weeks. Um, he could push, really, to be a high-end wide receiver, too. And I don't see that changing for him. PFF list that has to go to Lamar Jackson, though, because, you know, he just picks up a casual 51 rushing yards, continues to look like the best athlete on the field. And at this point, we almost take it for granted. Only players 
not quarterbacks, players with more fantasy points than Lamar Jackson as a pure rusher this season. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, and James Robinson. The fact that we are getting the passing upside on top of this is what makes Lamar such a fantasy football cheat code. Before we continue on, real quickly, we mentioned the Chargers have a bye. Just so you all know, week seven bye weeks, Los Angeles Chargers, your Pittsburgh Steelers, Minnesota Vikings, Jacksonville Jaguars, Dallas Cowboys, and the Buffalo Bills. And also before we get back into the schedule, I just want to say that right now, people, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use code FANTASY if you enjoy the podcast. If you don't enjoy the podcast but just have $25 or so you want to spend, I invite you to use code FANTASY to go get you a PFF subscription. You can get all of our locked article content, weekly player ranking, strength of schedule, goodness, all sorts of DFS tools, and our NFL and college football betting dashboard. So again, support the pod and use promo code FANTASY for 25% off any sub. Dwayne and I will be forever appreciative of you. Also want to point out and thank and note that the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home plan and start a family wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. So team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Two more one o'clock games to get through, everyone. The Chiefs took down the football team 31 to 13. KC covered as a six point favorite. The under hit at 54 in a game where we had a few win concerns, but ultimately didn't really seem to impact this one. Only sheesh I really had was courtesy of Tyreek Hill. He got schemed to target near the goal line early on. I'm not so sure he would have scored on it, but just realized one of Patrick Mahomes' interceptions went directly off of Tyreek's hands into a defender. It almost happened earlier when Tyreek slipped and fell down and the Washington defender actually dropped the pick. So Mahomes got a little unlucky there. On his second pick, though, that was like 100% on Mahomes. It's hard to even blame him. Dwayne because we've seen Mahomes just like make the impossible reality so often he thinks he can make any throw on the field because I don't know I kind of think he can make every throw on the field as he was getting ripped down he tried to do a throw he shouldn't have and then accordingly got picked what he do otherwise 397 passing yards and a pair of scores one to Tyreek Hill one on a lovely throw down the sideline to Demarcus Robinson also had Travis Kelsey getting his eight catches 99 yards on 11 targets and how about the mentor shout out to friend in the pod John Dago for coming up with that fantastic nickname Daryl Williams 21 carries 62 yards not great two touchdowns we'll take that eight days of the week in fantasy land also chipped in three catches for 27 yards so really didn't see Jerick McKinnon nearly as involved as we were kind of thinking I assumed it was going to be Daryl maybe 60 70 percent snaps and usage ended up being that it looked like a little bit more at least from a pure touch standpoint Jerick McKinnon did have four targets to uh, Daryl's also four but only caught one of them so perhaps different game script like okay if they're going to beat teams by 20 points every week, then maybe Daryl will continue flirting with 20 carries. But in a normal week, I would expect that carry count to be more between the 12 and 15 range. But yeah, that was mostly all I had for the Chiefs side of things. Over at Washington, Taylor Heineke, you know, clock may have struck midnight on his uh, Cinderella story out here, just struggling a little bit over these last few weeks. And, and his 
his defense, he doesn't have a ton of great targets to throw to. I know Terry McLaurin's fantastic, but when the guy's playing through a hamstring injury, it's tough to, you know, just call this that loaded of a passing game. Terry did gut his way into four catches, 28 yards, and had eight targets out there. Hopefully he's closer to 100% come next week. And yeah, man, J.D. McKissick, everyone's least favorite number two running back in the NFL. 45 rushing yards, also chipped in 65 yards through the air. Of course he had 10 targets. Why wouldn't J.D. McKissick have 10 targets and lead the way for Washington? Um, last note, RSJ. We nailed that one, Dwayne. Love to see that. Four catches, 58 yards, and a score on six targets. The touchdown was a little bit blown coverage-ish, but you know what? I don't think a uh, you know non-receiving friendly like Ricky Seals-Jones is being asked to run routes 40 yards down the field like that in the first place. So we will take it and continue to play his every snap role. Uh, final few notes I have. Uh, I would note that Terry McLaurin, the four catches, 28 yards, he did have 129 unrealized air yards. So I saw one play in particular early on where he had a step on two defenders deep Heineke couldn't put it right on him but when he was out there seemed to be a normal role and he continues to eat downfield you know now that we don't have to worry about this hamstring he should be in lineups each and every week similar to the Corlin Sutton thing last week we just didn't get the good game to go along uh, with him playing through the pain couple injuries real quick Least relevant one, but it sucks. Jody Fortson for the Chiefs suffered an Achilles injury. This dude made a dope contested catch down the sideline early on. Even got the stamp of approval from resident PFF Chiefs fan Eric Eager, who said that he might actually be good, which is it's hard to get Eric to say good things about players. So believe me, that is a co compliment. And then we also had Tyree Kill. Was late coming out in the second half with a quad issue, but did come out, continue to play. Expect to see him, you know, continue to be limited in practice and everything, but he should be good come game day. Kelsey had an arm injury, I believe, but just kept playing through it because he's a beast as well. And the final one, the one that hurt and the one that I'll lead Dwayne into, Antonio Gibson re-aggravating the shin issue. I even saw someone else say it could be more of a calf thing. So whatever it is, it's impacting his lower leg. And that's why we had a situation where they're down 10 and J.D. McKissick is getting carries up the middle on freaking first or second down in 10. So... Oh, man. Dwayne, like, at what point do we need to look at Gibson and say, like, his injury reaggravation is very real, and as much as it's going to be hard, particularly with bye weeks, to rank him as anything other than RB2, the days of him having the Jonathan Taylor role, man, even that seems like a stretch at this point because he's not able to be as effective as we're used to, one, because of the injury, and two, because, let's face it, this Washington offense isn't very good. Like, at this point... Gibson, lower end, RB2, that man, if you can find anyone to take him, like don't sell completely low on him, but if someone still thinks he's, I guess, close to that RB1 threshold, might not be the worst idea at this point. Yeah, I, I would have no problem with it. I mean, they were also out without Brandon Scherf um, and Sam Cosme today. It, you know, Scherf's been out for the last three three weeks. Cosme was out this week, though. Um, so, I mean, the offensive line is banged up. He's banged up. They need rest. Um, but look, he... he he doesn't own the passing role. Like, we've been over this, so we don't have to continue. 100% of long down and distance again to J.D. McKissick. 100% of the two-minute offense to J.D. McKissick. Um, you know, Jarrett Patterson, we did talk about on this show, as being a player that if you play in a deep format, he's a guy to have at the end of your bench. Like, he could be the next man up. Like, if, if they come out and they're not trailing immediately, I expect Jarrett Patterson to handle more of Antonio Gibson's work. I think what happened in this one, you know, Ian, is they're down by a lot. You know, it's a passing down every play. You got a younger player in Patterson. They just went with McKissick all the way. So I think McKissick will pick up a little bit more work if Antonio Gibson has to miss. But I think Patterson 
will probably pick up a lot of those carries um, in a normal situation. He only had 5% you know, of the carries today. Um, as far as the Chiefs go, you mentioned Daryl Williams, 72% of the snaps, 84% of the rushing attempts. That's the big thing, 84%. Uh, 100% of the short down and distance, which he had been taking that work already, so that wasn't a surprise. But the surprise was 100% of the two-minute offense went to Daryl Williams, not Jarrett McKinnon. So, like, what we've wanted for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like, all season, Darrell Williams comes in and gets. It's just, you know, it's crazy. It's like a couple years ago, I remember this happened with um, Dwayne Washington, not Dwayne Washington. um, DeAndre? DeAndre Washington with Josh Jacobs. You know, Josh Jacobs was in a three-way committee, three-way committee, three-way committee. Uh, He gets hurt. He's out for two games. DeAndre Washington comes out there and gets the whole workload. Like, there's no Jalen Richard, nothing. It's all DeAndre Washington. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. So it's the same kind of thing here with Daryl Williams. Uh, Just goes to prove that we can't read we can't read minds, Ian. We can only read the data. Um, But it is a good. It's a good spot for Daryl Williams to be in because he's going to own half to 70% of the passing work and pretty much all of the work on the ground and an offense that I don't, it's not elite right now. Um, but we know it's got Patrick Mahomes at the helm. And anytime you have that, right, you're going to be in a position where you can score a lot of points. So, um, Tyree kill, he was not out there uh, for his full compliment, but wow, hats off to him. Only was only out there for 61% of the routes, but was targeted on 40% of his routes, led the team with 30% target share, um, obviously got into the end zone, you know, made fantasy managers happy today. So out of this big group of backup running backs, we had kind of thrust into the starting roles this week. I think we were understandably like, I don't regret our process of putting Daryl beneath the other guys. It was just based on who we thought we were going to see the most touches. Knowing what we know now though, Dwayne, between Chuba, Devonte, Khalil, and Daryl, assuming all these starters remain out, do we move him up or is he still number four? I feel like he, at a minimum, it's closer. I still think Chuba should probably be number one. Khalil's getting yeah. I think they're, look, It's still so tough, man. They're all in the same tier, you know, yeah, is the problem. Like I had, there's, I had, there's no gap between them. Right. Really I had isn't. all of them within two spots of each other in the rankings. Yeah. So, and it's, and I know, look, it sucks. Like, I know. You guys look to us sometimes for the ranking. You want the exact rank. But that's also why I put out my tiers piece. Because when they're really close like that, I mean, what I'm telling you is, look, they really are all similar. And things could go one way or another in the game. And it's going to let one of them come out on top. So if, 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 if you're ever looking at my rankings, Ian, you're probably the same way. And I've got three players close to each other. And they're all within, like, two or three spots of each other. But you have a favorite out of them. Just go with the one you love. Yeah. Like, I'm... It's fine. Like now, if it's dropping down a tier, that's why I do the tiers piece. If it's dropping down a tier, that's different. But these players were all in the same tier, so a lot of this just comes down to game script. Um, I also did not anticipate um, him getting sixty to seventy percent of the passing work. I thought he would get more like half of it. So yes, to your point, Ian, that really puts him more up in the range with Devonta Booker. Um, those two guys are going to get the most work. He's in a better offense. So I would say, like, if I had to make the call right now on a Sunday night. Um, you know, drinking a cup of coffee, I would say, yeah, Daryl Williams would be top. Then it would be Devonta Booker. Um, I don't think we're going to see Damian Williams out for a long time. So Khalil Herbert, I think there's still a little bit of unknown. I thought he looked the best yeah. of the backs we saw today. I thought he looked better than Hubbard. I thought he looked better than um, Williams. I thought he looked better, um, you know, than Booker as well. And, and, you know, he has more unknown. We've seen these other guys for a while. Um, now in the league, besides Chuba, Chuba Hubbard's a, a good player. So, yeah. but I would say it would be Williams, then Booker, then then Hubbard and Herbert right there together. 
It is a good point about us having them ranked right next to each other. I had all five of these guys, if you want to put Alex Collins in there, between RB15 and RB21. So, yeah, people, we, you know, we want to teach you how to fish. But ultimately, you can be the person that casts out the line. And I will end that shitty metaphor right now. PFF Lily stat for this game. Hey, we told you. I did it tongue-in-cheek. But J.D. McKissick on even weeks, people. It's That's <laughs> that's how easy fantasy football is. That's all we you got to Week one, RB77. Week two, RB7. Week three, RB46. Week four, RB14. Week five, RB68. Week six, pre-Sunday night football, RB11. JD McKissick. Oh, man. Vikings beat the Panthers 34-28. to Minnesota covered as two-and-a-half-point favorites. The over hit at 45-and-a-half. This game was Minnesota 28, Carolina 17, and it looked as good as done in the fourth quarter, but not so fast, my friend. Sam Darnold made the most out of a bad situation and honestly like had people calling, calling for his job, calling for P.J. Walker, saying that we've all, you know, been... Uh, man, what, what was it called? Hoodwinked. We've all been we've all been hoodwinked, bamboozled, and led astray by the uh, first couple of weeks from Sam Darnold. Look, it's hard to say too many good things about a 17 for 41 stat line, but my goodness, man, he took them down there and he forced overtime. So his 41-yard throw to Ian Thomas down the seam on fourth down was maybe the single best throw of the day. And we always known Darnold at least has that arm talent to make stuff like this happen. That's why he was drafted, I believe, number three overall back in the day. So, you know, never been a big thing about can he do it? It's just will he be able to do it consistently at the NFL level? Clearly, he wasn't that consistent today, but we did at least see some flashes when the game mattered most. You know, four carries, 48 yards, also got that rushing upside. So if you started Donald as a streamer, didn't completely wreck you. I know you're not feeling great about it, but I also wouldn't necessarily be terrified of going back to him in future weeks, particularly once maybe we can get CMC and or this offensive line performing a little bit better. I would note that Robbie Anderson dropped three balls, DJ Moore dropped three balls, and Chuba also dropped two. So again, Sam Darnold was not good for a heavy majority of this game, but he did come through when it mattered, and he also didn't get a ton of help. Um, let's see, Justin Jefferson could have had a 50-yard touchdown early, but Kirk did not put it on him. Good game for Kirk, 373 yards and three scores. Could have been over 400 before with a better ball there. Jefferson still finished with eight catches and 80 yards because he's a freaking baller and can Continues to look a hell of a lot like one of the league's best 10, if not even higher wide receivers at this moment of time. Blow up game for Adam Thielen, 11 catches, 126 yards and a touchdown. Hey, Kirk Cousins racked up 48 pass attempts in this one. We've talked about this in the last few episodes where, hey, we can't just keep looking at this Vikings offense as being this super run first unit when their defense isn't quite good enough to maybe keep them in those sort of positive game scripts. And they're just letting Kirk kind of cook regardless. So speaking of Cook, Dalvin, 29 carries, 140 yards and a score on the ground, chipped in two catches, only had a long run of 23 people he looked like because we know Dalvin always has those token you know 70 yard monster touchdowns in his bag of tricks he looked really close a couple times just couldn't quite get there so hopefully he comes back you know really close to 100% here after their bye and we get back to seeing the true you know 100% version of Dalvin Cook but at a minimum this performance gave all of you that drafted him number two overall a nice little uh, time to hang your hat on Chuba Hubbard, 16 carries, 61 yards, and a score. Also chipped in a catch. You know, we didn't see a ton of receiving usage, but we didn't see much receiving usage from any of these running backs. So not something to really worry about too much. We continue to see him have really the closest thing that we could expect him to have to that Christian McCaffrey role. Um, Anything else? 
DJ Moore, 142 unrealized air yards, second highest in the week. Robbie Anderson, 89 unrealized air yards, fourth most in the week. I feel like there's something else. Oh, yeah, there is. Chris Herndon scored a touchdown, everybody. Why Chris are you burying the lead, dude? Like, what is your problem I'm having tonight? fun. I'm having fun with this, man. Chris Herndon on Tate touchdowns in the same week. That Cordero Patterson's on by, and he couldn't even pull it together. So, I'm running hot, man. I feel like Duke Johnson's going to get signed early next week. Like, one good thing is happening after another to these truthers. And just so all you know, I understand this isn't going to be a fantasy guy. I happen to like some of these players that a lot of people have written off as bust because because I still think they're good real-life players. So please, for the love of God, do not think I am advocating you to go pick up Chris Hearn, to go pick up Auden Tate, only Cordero Patterson for that one. And believe so, me. So how much, how much should I put on Auden Tate this week, Ian, in a fab? <laughs> now here's the thing, Dwayne. If he catches three touchdowns next week, you know I'm going to stand on my high horse and just tell <laughs> all of you that I've been riding on this for years. So either way, Chris Herndon, you know, electric two-yard touchdown at the goal line. Love to see it. Only two injuries. No, Terry. Terrence Marshall suffered a concussion. Hate to see that. Hope he gets through the protocol in no time. And it looked like Patrick Peterson suffered a hamstring injury at the end. He hasn't been shadowing. and He's been doing a pretty bad job objectively all season anyway, so wouldn't really sweat it too much. Dwayne, it looked like Dalvin Cook was just back to usual 100% role. Alexander Madison only had three carries, man. When Cook is healthy, it's his job. Yeah, 89% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down and distance, 67% of the long down and distance, 42% of the two-minute offense, which I don't even know if that's right. I think part of that could be something going on with the data because earlier when I looked at it, it was more than that. But, um, yeah, he looked good. As far as, um, you know, when you look at the offense for the Panthers, um, Chuba Hubbard again, um, you know, was nice, 80% of the rushing attempts. But – we saw Royce Freeman sneak out there this week in the long down and distance, 69%. Oh, 41%. Royce. Yeah, 41% of the two-minute <laughs> offense. So Chuba Hubbard, like, that's two, three games now. And in two of them, he hasn't had the long down and distance or the two-minute offense. He did have it last week. So these coaches keep kind of throwing us knuckleballs or having to read between the lines here. So I don't think it's really settled. But what we know is Chuba Hubbard is the lead um, back as far as rushing attempts go, which is why a minute ago, um, having already looked at this um, just a little while ago, like I put him in that tier below um, Devonta Booker and Daryl Williams. That's fair, yeah. So uh, I had the advantage of looking at this before you did, Ian. Um, Robbie Anderson, man, I have <laughs> to say, I know he had the drops, um, but only 50% of his passes that were thrown to him were catchable today. And then he dropped half of the passes that were catchable thrown to him today. I know that's a mouthful, but that's the equation um, that has to happen for you to have uh, 11 targets and only have three receptions. That's, that's the equation. <laughs> only half of your passes are catchable, and of the half that were catchable, you only caught half of them. <laughs> that's what happens. So, but, but man, I'm, it's a buy low right now on Robbie Anderson. And that's two weeks in a row up at the 30% target range. The, the team's throwing the ball plenty. Um, yeah, Darnold's had two bad games, but we know they're willing to run with pace. They're willing to run tempo. They're up there in plays. Um, I think Robbie Anderson is kind of sneaky here. I know people are going to look at it like, oh, man, he sucks. He dropped the ball. I'm looking at it. I'm going 11 targets. Like after 10 targets, I think, last week, I'd have to go back and look for sure. Um, but that's a lot. 
Um, and if you have somebody that's just pure recency bias person, well, DJ Moore is also a buy low. Um, you already mentioned his air yards, but I mean, he looks great, but he's going to have two two weeks where he's not going to be, you know, one of the top receivers in the box scores. But Robbie Anderson truly is a buy low. Um, I, I think this thing has really dwindled down to it's really back to those two players. They're really not distributing a lot around. Like, so you got three targets to Hubbard, three targets to Zilstra. Uh, a target to Alex Erickson. I mean, they are the leaders, 13 and 11. And if, and if Marshall and if Marshall's going to miss time now with the concussion, like that's even more icing on the cake for Robbie. Exactly. So I think Robbie right now, like if you can get your arms around Robbie, I would go do it. The utilization is there. And look, folks, with players that have done it in the past, especially, we don't always see this if it's someone that we don't know for sure if they can perform, but we've seen Robbie perform in the past. So if this utilization oh, continues good. on – He's going to be okay, and he's going to be a player that you're going to be happy to have in like a wide receiver three spot, especially when these bye weeks all start hitting. Honestly, like by low, okay, in like 14 team leagues, probably I wouldn't be shocked, man, if he starts getting dropped yeah. in some of these shallow leagues. So yeah, scoop him up. I I get it. You're not going to be rushing. You're not going to feel great about starting Robbie every week because we have seen what the floor is. But to your point, Dwayne, bye weeks come and they come pretty damn fast. They are here. We want guys like Robbie Anderson as stopgates. PFF low stat. Why did we spend so much of this offseason hyping up Kirk Cousins as your stopgate between Justin Fields and Trey Lance? It's because of stats like this. Most games with at least three passing touchdowns since week one of last season. Aaron Rodgers has 13 all alone in second place. Kirk Cousins with 11. That guy knows how to sling a football when given a clean pocket. Credit to him for doing a hell of a lot of it so far in 2021. Cardinals took down the Browns in a blowout. 37-214, Arizona covered as three-point dogs. The over cashed at 48 points. Only big sheesh in this one. Kyler Murray had a 10-yard rushing touchdown, nullified on a hold that, you know, awfully apparent in super slow motion. I thought it was a little iffy, but it is what it is. Kyler, just know, he had seven carries, six yards, but he looked plenty fine when he was running around out there. I'm not so, we were worried about the shoulder, limiting his rushing ability and kind of willingness to run. I think this week it was more just, you know, facing Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett not having a bunch of room to run than not necessarily being able to. So the good news was through the air, Kyler threw not one, not two, not three, four touchdowns, two of which went to DeAndre Hopkins. Also got Christian Kirk and A.J. Green for the other ones. The only problem, people, is the volume because DeAndre Hopkins is fresh off one of the best four-target games you will ever see. Three catches, 55 yards, and caught two of those for scores, as I just mentioned. And man, the first one, him just juking out what seemed like the entire city of Cleveland before finding his way into the end zone. It was great to see Nuke continue to look like one of the best receivers in the game. Hopefully he soon has a target share, not a target share, I should say, a raw target total to go along with it. But you know what, people? Kyler threw 30 passes today. And Dwayne and I talked about this on our preview pod for this week. It's not that DeAndre Hopkins is going really anywhere in the pecking order so much, even though this game was a little different with that. It's more so just been the card. Cardinals haven't had this normal neutral game script back and forth game so far. That happens when you're a badass 6-0 team. And really their only close game was against the Vikings, who happened to really more come back than make that a consistent back and forth affair. So DeAndre Hopkins, like we need to rank him as more of a borderline wide receiver one right now just because of these concerns. But hey, if you're able to go get him for cheaper than that, just realize he already has six touchdowns this year, as many as he had last year combined, or just last year total. It's once we reach the hour. 
hour part Sunday night. My words start getting messed up, so just deal with it, everyone. But Hopkins, hey, if we get those targets back, like just realize he is the same person that he has been over the past few years. We're just missing the volume. So he's not a bad guy to have in your roster as it stands right now, and the roof remains very high if he can just finally get those pesky targets. James Conner, 16 carries. Chase Edmonds, 4. Hate to see it. I wonder if he, like, re-aggravated something, Dwayne. I didn't see anything, but Chase ripped off a 40-yard run early. He looked explosive as hell and just really didn't touch the ball much after that. So keep an eye on the injury report for Chase Edmonds. We know he's been dealing with the shoulder. You know, I didn't see anything here, but it's usually kind of tough to get full injury information. No touches on Sunday No night. touches in the fourth quarter. So that tells you. Okay. And they were also up. It doesn't necessarily mean he was hurt. It, it, it could also just mean they knew – He's still playing with an injury, and they want to protect it. So if you look at the fourth like quarter the, yeah. alone, yeah, you got 13 snaps for James Conner. You've got zero for Chase Edmonds. So that alone is like what throws all the snaps and everything off of the game. Hate to see that. That's pretty much all I got on the Arizona side of things. Baker Mayfield, man, it looked bad. You know, he's playing with a partially torn rotator cuff in his left shoulder, um, and or maybe it's an AC, whatever the hell he's got torn in his left shoulder. It looked like he fully tore the thing in the third quarter, like horrendous. Like JJ Watt immediately taking his head off and praying by him. Horrendous. Baker toughed it out and came back onto the field not long afterwards. He was wearing a sling in the postgame presser. We'll see what happens. They did bring Case Keenum in at the end. That seemed way more like a, we're down by like three touchdowns at this point. Go ahead and get out there, Case, so uh, Baker doesn't get hurt anymore. But certainly we'll need to monitor that injury report. And it's just the Browns, man, are starting to become this injury. Walking, talking, graveyard. Nick Chubb obviously missed this one with the calf injury. Kareem Hunt, man. Hopefully he's okay, but that calf injury looked more like an Achilles. We will see what that was. Could not put any weight on his leg. Was Carter off the field. Unfortunate to see from Kareem Hunt. He was out there hurdling people before. Truly one of the more fun running backs to watch in the league. Went healthy. Hopefully he is back to 100% before too long. And even Odell Beckham suffered a shoulder injury in the first half. Toughed it out. Came back in the second half. Five catches, 79 yards. I'm sure most people will just talk about his drop, though, on a slant on about fourth and four from the goal line. Wouldn't have been a touchdown. Would have extended the drive and gave the Browns a decent chance to stay. And it's a lot of, a lot of good from OBJ otherwise. Obviously should have caught that one, though. Um, Dwayne, I think that's uh, one last thing. Donovan Peoples-Jones, fantastic game. Four catches, 101 yards, two scores. The first touchdown, he catches a curl short of the goal line and completely truck sticks whatever poor cornerback got assigned to him. Second touchdown, he outleaps everyone on a Hail Mary attempt so badly that he still body caught the ball just like a foot above everyone else. So Peoples-Jones, man, him and Nico Collins are like the two glaring examples, particularly DPJ with how he's doing of just like, hey, sometimes if you have a highly touted recruit, a freaking beast of an athlete, and someone that ha you have at least some good glimpses of film, maybe in that Michigan Wolverines offense, they just aren't preparing guys the right way to ball out the college level. So don't be afraid to go back to the well at the NFL level. Same thing with Chris Evans, honestly, that we're seeing right now. So credit to Donovan Peoples-Jones on that great game. And this happened before the Baker injury, but cool stat from uh, our friends at Next Gen Stats, that Baker Hail Mary was the 
the longest completed pass in the next gen era, which goes back to 2016 at 66.4 yards. So Baker, man, you talk about guys that have a rocket launcher for an arm. He's got the longest completion. And then that Hail Mary attempt he had last year where he threw like out of the end zone against the Ravens. That's the longest pass attempt in the PFF database, which goes back to 2006. So, you know, we talk about a lot of quarterbacks having like ridiculous arm strength, but truly Baker, when you give him a pocket and let him step into it, that dude, I'm not saying he's beating Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, but I think he can give them more of a run for their money than a lot of people give him credit for. Dwayne, we talked about Connor and Edmonds a little bit already. What happened to the Browns' backfield after Kareem Hunt was lost? Could you get any reads on that yet? No, I mean it's Dearness Johnson came out there uh, with twenty percent, you know, of the snaps. Yeah, twenty percent. Orlando Apollo's Hall of Famer Dearness Johnson. How dare you? <laughs> and twenty percent of the snaps to Demetric Felton. Zero, you know, five percent of the rushing attempts to Dearness Johnson. You know, it happened pretty late in the game, so we just don't have a big sample size. We're gonna have to kind of wait and just hear more. Like what I would anticipate, Ian, would be Dearness Johnson really playing more of the Chubb role. You would have Demetric Felton playing more of the Kareem Hunt role, like if that's what if that's what we go into the next. They have Thursday night they play, so if we don't have Chubb, you know, or Kareem Hunt, I would probably anticipate those roles with it slightly tilted a little more vert to DeAndre to Dearness Johnson versus what we've seen with Chubb and Hunt being more of an even split. That's just my that's my gut based on you know the roles that they play and that we've seen in the past, especially for Johnson. We haven't seen Felton as much. Um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., yeah, he was only out there for 58% of the routes due to the injury, but he did, like you said, came back in, led the team with 26% of the targets. He was targeted on 35% of the routes. So, folks, quit saying Baker Mayfield doesn't want to throw to Odell Beckham Jr. Guess what? Quarterbacks find their best weapons. Odell Beckham Jr. is still the best weapon on the Browns. Donovan Peoples-Jones did have a good um, game, targeted on 16% of his routes, 41% of the air yards to lead the team, 16% target share. Both receivers, over three yards per route run, 3.43 for Odell Beckham Jr., 3.26 for Donovan Peoples-Jones. I was really excited to see Peoples-Jones do this because he's a player that I just kind of thought of as a deep sleeper to start the year, um, but knew that he was kind of third in the pecking order in a run-first offense. Got a little more opportunity early on with Beckham out, but he never did anything with it, Ian. So this also shows you sometimes that it's better to have two two decent players, right, on the field than just one, and that can turn out, you know, that can be something that can really help both of them. But it does appear like Peoples-Jones, you know, maybe something clicked for him today, so we'll have to see. We will get Jarvis Landry back here. You know, they designated him to return from IR, so we'll see what's going to go on there. We'll have to monitor the injury report with Beckham Jr. on a short week. Um, as far as the Cardinals, just real quick, I totaled it up um, while we were while you were finishing up. So twenty four in the first half, Chase Edmonds, 24 snaps to 17 for Jonathan uh, – for uh, – sorry – James Conner. James Conner, yes. <laughs> We're an hour in, Jonathan. There we go. James Conner. Uh, four in the second half to Chase Edmonds and 24 to James Conner. So Chase Edmonds was hardly used at all in the second half. So we'll, we'll need to watch the injury news on that one. James Conner emerging as the ultimate vulture of 2021. Takes us right to our PFF Lily stat is that Chase Edmonds, league high, 79 touches without a score this season. At some point, people... That's going to be what the kids and scientists like to call regression in a good way. So Cowboys beat the Patriots 35-29 in the game of the day. Cowboys covered as three-and-a-half-point favorites over cash at 50-and-a-half. Woo, buddy. This one did not look like it was going to be a shootout for the majority of the game. And then the end of the game happened where basically Patriots go down the field and 
Mac Jones completes like three passes, whatever. They go 75 yards. Damian Harris, you know, gets them really close down there. Ramondre Stevenson ends up punching the ball across. They take a 21-20 lead in the fourth quarter. Then the Cowboys get the ball, go downfield. They choose not to go for it on fourth and short. They kick a field goal, and they miss the field goal. Oh, my goodness, are the Cowboys going to lose the Patriots? What, what happens? Second play, Trayvon Diggs gets another interception, takes it back all the way into the end zone. That's when I sent my infamous, oh, too much time for Mac Jones to hand the ball off because the first play of the next game, he of the next drive, excuse me, 75-yard touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. I see a lot of people giving Trayvon Diggs, like trying to really just take away his great season now. Guys, seven interceptions in six games is so freaking bonkers. You can give up all these yards you're talking about and touchdowns like it we want to pay defensive players for game changing plays like that you can take your yards interceptions are worth so much more than those yards he's given up it's not even funny so yes it's part of the puzzle we don't need to crown him as the best cornerback to ever live just yet but the same reason why touchdowns mean more than yards same reason why interceptions mean more than yards as well but Patriots get that score Cowboys go down and get a field goal to send the game into overtime and then end things with a touchdown to CeeDee Lamb. Plenty of sheeshes along the way. Jacoby Myers, our friend Jacoby Myers, finally scored a touchdown, but not so fast, my friend. It got nullified on a hold in the very next play. Mac Jones fumbled, killing the drive. So it's going to happen eventually. Jacoby had himself a very nice game. He's going to continue to be a wide receiver three. But man, oh man, at some point, God needs to give this dude a break, help him find his way into the end zone. We also had Cedric Wilson, quote-unquote drop a 15-yard touchdown. It wasn't so much on him. It was a great thrown pass from Dak. And defender made a nice play on it. The reason why it's a sheesh because they freaking Fox or wherever this game was on showed the graphic of Cedric Wilson touchdown before he realized the ball rolling outside the end zone. So that was awfully tilting, but Cedric certainly made up for that with several nice catches down the stretch. And honestly, like my biggest issue with this whole game, Dak Prescott sneaks it from the goal line on third down. Under two minutes, I believe, were left in the second quarter when this happened. He finishes the play in the end zone. They don't call a touchdown. They don't even review it. What happens the next play? Dak tries to put the ball over, and they originally ruled the touchdown on second thought. The ball was loose before it cracked the goal line. So I don't disagree that he fumbled on that, but I have absolutely no idea why it wasn't reviewed the play before. Sure looked like Dak should have had a rushing touchdown on top of his stellar day. That did include... 10 rushing yards and 445 passing yards, three touchdowns through the air, two of which went to CeeDee Lamb, as I mentioned, 149 yards for CeeDee. Also had Amari Cooper, 55 yards, Dalton Schultz, 79 yards, Ezekiel Elliott, seven catches, 50 yards himself in a nice performance. So Zeke didn't find the end zone in this one, but continued to look pretty damn good, man. I mean, there's a fourth and one early in the game where he just was able to race to the corner and get it, something that we really don't see a ton from Zeke these days, so that was good. And yeah, I think the last major note I have here is just that Ramondre Stevenson, yeah, he was really taken over for Brandon Bolden. It seemed like here, three catches on three targets. We did still see Bolden a little bit. Dwayne, now we know the touchdown for Stevenson on the goal line. That was after Harris got banged up. He's been playing through ribs and chest injuries. So we're not concerned about Stevenson, you know, hawking the goal line roll from Harris. Did he get more of the snaps from Bolden in the two-minute stuff, or is this just more of a, he got a couple targets, he's still not getting those snaps? No, it didn't come in long down and distance or two-minute okay. offense type stuff. At least as far as well, I can This is one of the games, though, that is still all being processed. So uh-huh. I only have what I have on the data right now. Um, but I show that 38, he was in a route 38% of pass plays for the Pats. 
Um, but none of those came on long down and distance or in the two-minute offense, at least based on what I have so far. Makes sense. And as always, people, check out Dwayne's utilization report on Tuesday. That's what we're going over a lot right now with this data. So only injuries to note. Uh, I mentioned Damon Harris had to leave uh, late into that drive. Man, I I always tweet out on Tuesday when I do my running back article, the week's leader in uh, broken tackles. I think Damian has finished second uh, one or two weeks already this year. Would not be surprised if he finds a way to lead week six in total broken tackles. Uh, so keep an eye on that. And also Dak was in a walking boot after the game. So it didn't seem anything super serious, but why else would he have a walking boot on if it wasn't something at least somewhat serious? So I believe I mentioned the Cowboys as one of those teams having a bye here in week seven. Seems to be coming at a nice time. PFF always that is for Trayvon Diggs. Seven picks in six games, people. This does not happen. In 2020, in 2020, J.C. Jackson racked up nine picks on the year. Xavier Howard had 10. That was it. Again, six games, seven interceptions. He could not have a pick for the rest of the year. Hell, the rest of his career at this point. And we would still have to say Trayvon Diggs is one hell of a cornerback. We have reached the final game to break down. Raiders took down the Broncos 34-24. Las Vegas cashed as a plus five underdog over cashed at 45 points. Couple sheeshes here from Corlin Sutton. Oh man, he ended up getting a touchdown at the end. He had a solid performance for himself. So, you know, if you didn't watch this one, you just look back at the box score. I'm sure you're not too disappointed, but it's just kind of the story of the season now for Corlin. What could have been? Again, Eight catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown. That's great. He should have had a walk-in 62-yard touchdown in the first half. We're talking eight yards of separation down the sideline, and Teddy just couldn't put it anywhere near him. Corwin Sutton's a big guy. This dude, every single inch of that 6-3 frame was extended. Could barely get a fingertip on it. Also had a good 20 or 30-yard chunk play. Wouldn't have gone for a score, but we'll take those yards. Again, wide open. Again, overthrown. And then finally, still in the first half, he had a solid like 15, 20-yard catch. Called back on a pretty questionable OPI push-off, in my humble opinion. So I'm happy he got the good second half because that one catch 14-yard line in the first half was looking pretty awful. So I'm sure at some point, this week. I'll throw those clips on a little sheesh film and show you guys exactly what he missed. Um, Shout out Derek Carr. Back-to-back pretty rough games for him. Looked much more like the guy we saw in the first three weeks of the year and really most of 2020. 341 yards, two touchdowns, but really both dimes. One downfield to Henry Ruggs, one on the wheel route to Kenyon Drake that could not have been dropped in the bucket anymore perfectly. So Really, with rugs, it just comes back to the same thing. Throw this guy the ball more. Only four targets. He caught three of them for 97 yards and a touchdown. I agree with the general idea that you earn targets and they're more a factor of the receiver being great than, you know, a quarterback ignoring them. Like you said, Dwayne, of course, Baker's going to want to throw to his best receiver. You know, people like me just make a big deal about it a few times. He doesn't. But with rugs in this one, he got loose early for the long score. And then, you know, on the third down, Carr said, fuck it. And he threw him a long one again. And this was more of a contest. A coverage opportunity. Rug still managed to come down with it. We also had T.O. slash Randy Moss slash Brian Edwards catch a 51-yard pass down the sideline. Again, beautiful deep ball from Derek Carr. And really, like, just the reason these guys having a good game and Derek Carr only throwing the ball 27 times was why Darren Waller had just five targets, caught five of them for 59 yards. Fine. Not why you drafting him as a tight end, too, probably, but fine. He is Arguably the prime low 
tight end right now out of anyone. I'm sure Dwayne has some more on that in just a second. But first, want to mention that Tim Patrick scored a touchdown. Noah Fant, who Dwayne told you all last week not to worry about. Nine catches, 97 yards, and a score. Could have had two, man. And it wasn't on anyone other than himself. But, like, he caught the ball. In the back of the end zone, it was actually a great throw uh, down the seam by Teddy. And his first foot stepped out of bounds, and his second foot he dragged. So he was really this close. They challenged it for some dumb reason. It wasn't a touchdown. Clearly, I don't know who was in Vic Fangio's ear on that one, but just realized Noah Fant, huge day, could have, you know, was literally inches away from being even bigger. And the final note was Javante Williams. His latest ridiculous highlight of the week gets a big run along right end. And did he truck someone? Did he juke someone? Nope. He jumped right over them. So Javante continuing to flash and I'm sure continue to pop at the top of the leaderboard of the league's best broken tackle beasts at the running back position and Teddy Bridgewater, maybe one of the worst 300 plus yard three touchdown games you will see also included three picks also included five sacks and he also lost a fumble. We can't have that Teddy because the way he plays like if you want someone that's going to give you this erraticness, you kind of want someone more like Drew Locke that can at least mix in some true highs in terms of what they're capable of just achieving on a play-by-play basis. Teddy isn't really forcing you to defend every square inch of the field in the same way someone like Locke can in my opinion with this he just holds the ball a little bit too long we're not seeing any sort of willingness to run and he just doesn't have the same you know i think top tier level of arm strength so this was the worst he's played all year i'm not sitting here saying they need the bench teddy right now but just realize hey you got your fantasy points from teddy if you happen to stream him but this was a game where he really really struggled to move the ball for the majority of the game until the second half when the raiders were clearly content to kind of let them get whatever they wanted in the underneath parts and just get out of there with their victories. So, Dwayne, let's stick on Denver. It looks like this backfield is the same thing it's been telling us all year, which is Melvin Gordon's slight lead, pretty much 50-50, everything else. Yep, that's pretty much it. Um, but again, the good news is they're letting Javonta Williams play all these other roles. They're not. There's nothing that they're just keeping him away from. This game, it worked out 83% of the two-minute offense went to Melvin Gordon, but we've seen Javonta Williams lead that. And this week, we saw 67% of the short down and distance go to Javonta, and only 33% of it go to Melvin Gordon. So I think a lot of it just comes down to who happens to be on the field when they decide to go into the two-minute offense, or they decide, you know, or when they happen to encounter these long down and distances, right? Because there's a different number of them on each drive. If you're out there on the drive that you're long down and distance is on the third on the third snap of the drive and it ends the drive, well, screw you, you know. I mean, <laughs> you don't get another chance on that drive to do it again. So, it just works out, you know, where it looks like, you know, one of them may be leading in a category over the other one, but it's really I think almost a true split with Gordon just getting a little bit more. But I'm still very encouraged by Williams because they're not scared of him in any of in any of these facets of the game. Noah Fant, yeah, we talked about him. Um, looked really good. 89% of the snaps, 81% of the routes, 22% of the targets, 23% targets per route run. When you get over 80% of the routes and you're over 20% of the targets per route run, really, really good things happen. Happened today for Noah Fant. Just a few yards short of getting to the 100 yards and giving you that bonus, sorry, on DraftKings. Cortland Sutton, you already hit. I don't need to hit anything there. I, I do I do worry a little here, Ian. You know, we will get um, Jerry Judy back here sooner rather than later. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Like with Teddy Bridgewater being – and look, he did support, you know, multiple weapons last year, you know, in Carolina. So I don't want to say that he can't do it. But he's got a very defensive-minded head coach, right, who if can – be in a game and slow things down and grind them out or not have to throw the ball as much. Very willing to do that. They have two good backs. So I think things are going to get a little more iffy. It's going to, it's going to look, you know, 
a little more like what we think about with Cincinnati, you know, once you have three receivers that you've got to deal with here. I mean, you got K.J. Hamler out for the season, so you're not going to be dealing with him being in there. But Tim Patrick is, like you said, he's one of the best number three receivers or number four receivers, however you want to consider him at the beginning of training camp, you know, on any roster in the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works. As far as the Raiders go, man, Kenyon Drake, poor guy. Like, it's it's pretty much he splits all his stuff with Jalen Richard now. Jalen Richard is getting out there 15 to 20% of the snaps every week. So where it used to be, whoever the lead back was, Peyton Barber or Josh Jacobs would get 60% and Drake would get 40%. Well, now Drake is having to split his half of the work with Jalen Richard pretty much every week. So that makes Kenyon Drake unusable in fantasy football. Um, Josh Jacobs out there for 65% of the snaps. He was in a route 50% of plays, but he wasn't really doing much. Um, had 0% of the two-minute offense, 29% of the long down distance. So we had seen him kind of pick up some of that work um, over the last week or two, and we were kind of excited about that. We saw that go away. And, and look, this is the first week with this new coaching staff, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, and sometimes these things can just work out a little bit wonky depending on how, and I haven't even got to dig into how many snaps was that, right? Typically I look at that to say, okay, is this even worth looking at? Because if it's just two snaps sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, like this isn't really that big a deal. Um, Darren Waller, yes, buy low if you can. You know, I mean, everything is there. He's 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 where you want to be from a route standpoint, 80%. He's where you want to be from a targets per route run, 21%. Like, he's going to have his week. 2.46 yards per route run as a tight end still this week. Like, Darren Waller's days are absolutely still coming. You can't fade him. you got to just stick with him. Henry Ruggs. He's to the point now where he's getting close to being startable because he's getting yep. nearly to 90% of the routes every week. This week he was at 87%. At receivers, you want to be at 90% or more of the routes. Um, and for a deep, you know, dot type player like Ruggs, if you can be around 18 to 22% targets per route run, like that can be pretty good. And he's at 19% right now this week. And I want to say he's probably going to be around 16 or 17%. I'll see tomorrow morning in the utilization report on the year. But he continues, you know, to look good. Receiving grade today of 84.3, that's really good. Um, that was actually first on the team, you know, for the Raiders. Um, I mean, Foster Moreau, but that's like a second tight end running out there against no coverage. So I'm excited about Henry Ruggs. He continues to look – and it's not just the, the data. Like, when I watch him, I feel like he's – I feel like every time I watch him, I'm like, okay, I kind of thought Henry Ruggs was washed. And, you know, I know it's bad to say that like one season in, but you just, you're like, man, like, is this guy going to get it? But it feels like the light is coming on for Henry Ruggs. Um, He's definitely got, you know, he's got ups, he's got speed. They're using him, you know, in a a wider variety of ways. So he's a guy that I definitely have my eye on. Yeah, real quick on Jacobs, he did survive Peyton Barber, who was a healthy scratch in this one. So that was great to see. But yes, Drake and Jalen Richard, for whatever freaking reason, are still going to carve out a little bit. It's okay. We can't put Jacobs in the top 12 RBs, obviously, without a definitive pass-down role. But at a minimum, he still remains a, I think at this point, upside RB2 as the dominant early down back in an offense that, again, did not look good over the past two weeks. But I still think they're a little bit closer to the group we saw in weeks one through three and week six compared to weeks four and five. So you should still be feeling good about Jacobs. Dwayne, it looks like Jerry Judy could be back as early as Thursday. They uh, designated him for return. 
return mm-hmm. from IR. The Broncos play the Browns. I mean, Sutton's coming off. He almost had 100 yards here, and with all the catches he had, I mean, he clearly bounced off and had himself a hell of a day in Fantasyland. Back-to-back weeks, back-to-back weeks with Sutton. This is the chance, probably your best chance you're going to have the rest of the year is so high in this guy. I know a sharp player might see through this, but this is the chance to really try to get rid of him before we start seeing Judy come and cut this target share in areas and half. Yeah, and when you say sell high, you do mean sell high. Don't go give him away because he's still a good player, yeah, yeah. and we don't know what Jerry Judy is going to look like when he gets back or how long it's going to take him, but I totally agree uh, because I am worried. Once you have to div- divide this offense to three or four players instead of two or three every week, it's going to be it's going to be problematic. So, yes, I do think it's the time. If you can move Sutton for a piece that you really like, do not give him away. I I just have to say it because I get the DM sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, hey, look at the trade I made. And then I have to let the – yeah, that's – you know, God, you got to get more than that. <laughs> you know? People are gullible out there, man. One of my buddies in my home league, like, hits, hits me up, like, at 4 o'clock trying to talk trades. I, I obviously don't have time – I don't want to talk trades in the middle of NFL freaking Sunday. And he had said in our group me, like, hey, guys, I got Tua. Like, anyone need a quarterback, which is a freaking – insult to even suggest that in the first place so i was like hey man how about Tua for cooper well he doesn't even say yes he goes you know what i already got cd otherwise i would and i was just like <laughs> jesus <laughs> so like there are people that close to me that can be that freaking dumb with some of this stuff so that's why i say like you know don't again exactly Dwayne. do not give them away but if you can find the guy like my friend in your league, maybe the opposite, who's not looking to rip you off, but you can be the one you rip off. That is the situation you were looking for. PFF Lily stat for the last one. Nobody, not a single person alive on this planet in the Milky Way galaxy in a single universe that we know has more air yards than Corbin Sutton this season. 884, when I pulled the data, nobody else was even over 800. So yes, prayer yards. I need to go in, and I think I might try to do this this week, because we do, we realize air yards from Patrick Mahomes and air yards from Teddy Bridgewater are not created equal. I think adding in a part, part of that with separation, seeing, you know, air yards when you're open or wide open could be a little bit better tool here. But the opportunity for Corlin Sutton is truly as a wide receiver one, and he's given us upside wide receiver two value and a less than ideal offense. Dwayne, we did it. Critics said we couldn't get this pod done in under two hours. We got it done in 90 minutes. Hat tip to us. You're drinking coffee because you're a savage. I'm drinking whiskey because, I don't know, I guess I'm also kind of a savage, but I'll get in the coffee in the morning. Anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man. No, I'll, uh, I'll be digging into all this stuff, you know, um, even deeper tomorrow morning um, as far as the utilization report goes. So I'll throw out some tweets along the way, and then you guys will have it in your hands sometime Tuesday morning. And Dwayne and I will also be back Tuesday morning with the waiver wire edition of this pod. We'll be back Wednesday with a game by game preview for week seven. Back Thursday with a special guest for my 10 questions episode to be named later. And back Friday with the DraftKings DFS preview for the upcoming week. So thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Until next time, take care. Everybody.